Blog Talk Radio. Mark Richt wore a Mexican hat to shield him from the South Florida sun and put names on the back of the helmets and jerseys of his players so that he would have some idea just whom he was watching on the first day of spring practice at the University of Miami on Tuesday. It was a time of getting acquainted to new surroundings and new players for Miami's new head coach, who had a tough time sleeping Monday night in anticipation of it all. Here's what he had to say about it. Uh, it was definitely uh, an emotional time. Uh, just thinking about, matter of fact, I didn't sleep hardly at all last night. I, I didn't think I'd be that way, but last night I just couldn't get it. Uh, couldn't get my. I got my eyes closed, but I couldn't sleep. And I probably went to sleep sometime after midnight, but we had to get it up. You know, get up about five and get going uh, on the early morning. But uh, a lot of uh, anticipation. Just a lot of things running through my mind, uh, making sure all the drills were right. Uh, I got here early enough to. Uh, you know, get with the coaching staff and just be sure one more time on uh, the drills and where everything was going to be. Because every, every single thing's brand new. But, you know, we want the players to know we're organized. We want the players to know we're on our game, too. We expect them to do it, okay? So we got to do it as coaches. So, yeah, a little bit of, uh, uh, little bit of butterflies going into day one. It's a, it's a blessing. It's an honor. I don't take it lightly at all. Uh, it's, it's a little bit surreal. When I think about my role as a player, uh, and you know, a backup quarterback's important, and I've been able to stress that my whole career because I was a backup quarterback, and you know, you're one play away from a, uh, for the, the entire team counting on you. Uh, but it is a little bit different responsibility now, obviously. Uh, but uh, to be here and to uh, represent the University of Miami and represent the family uh, means a lot to me. Mark, where are you as far as? Just familiarity with the roster, knowing who all the guys are, <laughs> even at this point. I mean, uh, is that, is that I'm learning. I'm learning. I mean, you see the names on their helmets, right? They got their name on the front. They got their name on the back. Uh, we made it in such a way where it's not going to fall off because, you know, I think all the coaches need it because even the position coaches might be very familiar with their guys and not sure on the other side of the ball who everybody is. And, you know, I'm sitting here trying to learn a hundred of them, and uh, little by little I'm getting there. But, uh uh, but that's that's why we have the names on the hats right now, so we can keep identifying everybody. Thank goodness like for numbers that? as well. Well, no, when you get a number and a name together, and you start watching film, and you're like, who, who's 37, and who's this, and who's that, and before long, uh, you got it memorized. But uh, it does take a while to memorize all those guys, memorize all the recruits we signed, memorize all the 2017s and 18s that we're trying to recruit. I mean, there's a lot of names and a lot of people, especially for one man, you know, being the head coach. If all I did was coach QBs, I think I'd know all the QBs, and I'd know uh, all the recruits that were QBs. It'd be pretty simple. But uh, as head coach, you got to know everybody, and and uh, I know I love them all, even though I don't, I can't recognize them all the time. <laughs> Speaking well, of QBs, how much have you learned about Brad in, in these yeah. last few weeks, especially, and just what kind of appreciation do you have? For what he's uh, well, you? I'm very impressed with the QBs in general, as far as you know, really working hard, learning what we're going to ask them to learn, because they've got a lot to process and. Uh, Brad did an excellent job. Matter of fact, when they came back from spring break and then we started covering things again, uh, you could tell Brad and really the rest of them did a great job of uh, studying throughout spring break. So when they got here, it was not uh, like we just started over again. So I was really pleased with that. 
And, um, you know, I think Brad in particular, uh, he, he's, you could tell he's a veteran. You could tell he's been around. Uh, he, there's some new things that he's learning, uh, but uh, mostly it's things he's already done that had a different name, quite frankly. Uh, so far, we hadn't really done anything that would be that that much different than what uh, Miami would have done in the past as far as concepts and things of that nature. Uh, but the things that are new, he's really embracing it. And uh, I, I was pleased with what he did in the meetings and on the practice. Meanwhile, as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live tonight, the Hurricanes basketball team is flying to Providence, Rhode Island, where they will begin what they hope is a deep run in the NCAA tournament on Thursday night against Buffalo. The Canes finished the regular season on a bit of a down note by losing at Virginia Tech in the regular season finale in a game where they could have won a share of the ACC regular season championship. Then they lost a tough game in the ACC tournament semifinals against NCAA number one seed Virginia. So the Hurricanes have had a tough time lately because they've been showing up for these big games in too tight of a frame in mind. That's why Larry Nager brought in an old friend, renowned sports psychologist Bob Rotella, a guy that's worked with a lot of the top names on the PGA Tour and all throughout sports, and he brought Rotella in to talk to the team before it dives into March Magnus about just enjoying itself and going into the NCAA tournament in a relaxed state of mind. Here's what Larry Nega had to say about well, that. Well, I had invited uh, Dr. Bob Rotella, a sports psychologist who's been a dear friend of mine since 1979, to come and be with our team, listen to the selection show, and then speak to them about the right mental frame of mind that you should be in to play great in the NCAA tournament. So we, we uh, actually stayed in the same building, the, the student union, the Donna Shalala building, and we went upstairs to a private room and had a private meeting he visited with the whole team, and then he met individually with certain players. He's basically, he's basically uh, explaining to you about the feelings of how you play great. And, you know, if you get up tight and you're all stressed out, it's really, really hard to play well. If you're relaxed and enjoying it and having fun, you're loose and confident. You kind of play with a swagger. It's a lot easier to play really, really well. And that was kind of his message to the team. Enjoy the moment, enjoy the tournament, have fun, play great, believe in yourselves, and uh, good results will come. So it'll be Miami and Buffalo Thursday night from Providence in a first-round game, and we'll be there to cover it for you. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. And remember, if you want to come on the show and speak, all you got to do is hit the number one on your keypad. That'll send us a prompt, and we'll bring you on the show in the order that you hit that number one. So if you want to come on the show as we go forward tonight, hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll get to you in the order that you hit it. Um, as always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Here's some of what they came up with this week. And a um, great deal of questions and some good ones and some good topics. Um, so I'll dive into a few of them right now. Then we'll go to your calls. Then I'll, you know, as the show goes on, 
I'll revert back to some of the other ones, and uh, we'll get through them all here as the night goes on. Um, first question that came in is, is there a noticeable difference with the player's muscle mass? And um, I, I think you could comfortably say yes. I mean, you got to remember, it's only been a few months, so you know, I don't want to get too crazy here. But um, if you go on canesport.com and take a look at my interview um, with Al-Qadeen Muhammad today, and at the end of the interview, I kind of pan back on the camera um, to give you guys a, you know, a, a good look and you know, just as an example of what his physique is looking like now. And um, my guess is you, you were pretty impressed if, if you made it through that entire video. And if you haven't, go, go watch it and, and take a look. Um, obviously, every guy on the team doesn't look like Muhammad. Muhammad's kind of like one of those weight room freaks. But um, the one thing I could tell you uh, from personal observation today, uh, as well as uh, conversations with several different people, um, team that is an extremely good physical condition. And um, the work that's being done in the strength and conditioning program right now, um, the, the universal feeling is that it's at, it's at a higher level. No disrespect to Andrew Swayze uh, whatsoever. Uh, but the feeling is that what's going on there is taking the players to a higher level of strength and conditioning than they were at in the past. And uh, obviously they're not, you know, after a few months, they're not where they eventually hope to be in that regard. Uh, but uh, the coaches seem pretty pleased with what they're seeing from, from their players. And there was a lot of enthusiasm along those lines as practice began today. Will Stacy Coley take a leadership role on the team this season? And that's a really interesting question because, uh, you know, Stacy Coley is definitely a kid that you would like to see take a leadership role on the team. I'm just not sure that that fits his personality. I mean, it, it, that certainly hasn't been uh, his personality his first three years as a hurricane. And um, usually zebras don't change their stripes, so to speak. And so I would kind of be surprised if Stacy Coley is a leader on the team this year. Um, I think on the offensive side of the ball, you got to look to Brad Kaya uh, without question for that. Uh, maybe uh, the running backs a little bit, like maybe like a, a, a year be can be somewhat of a leader. Um, you know, I think uh, guys maybe like Nick Linder on the offensive line maybe could try to fill somewhat of that role on offense. I'd be surprised if it's Stacy Coley just because, you know, he's more of a quiet guy that doesn't really fit his personality real well. All right, we'll get to more questions in a few minutes, but I want to go out to the phone lines. Uh, 646-595-2048 is the number. 646 595 2048. Remember, you must hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out right now to the 845 where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How you doing, Greg? Hey, what's up, Greg? All right. Were you at practice today? Uh, yes, I was. Okay. How did the linemen look? How are their physiques? The offensive uh, lines. I mean, they they looked okay. There's nothing nothing astounding there yet. Uh, you know, you got to admit it's only been a couple months. So, you know, those guys were already pretty big guys, um, and and they're not doing a lot of. They weren't doing a lot of contact work today. Uh, a lot of teaching taking place. So it, we can't really judge that yet, Greg. Uh, but uh, you know, I think in general the team looks like it's in very good shape, and 
I think is in terms of if you're looking for bulk and awe-inspiring physiques and things like that, I think you you know a better judge will be August after they've now gone through another three months of strength and conditioning and all through the summer. Well, really almost four months if you go April, May, June, July. Uh, so you know I wouldn't really judge that yet. Okay, uh, I just wanted to ask you: Is that first scrimmage a close scrimmage? Yes. On April second. Yes, close to everybody, fans, media, okay. everybody. You know, I'll, I'll okay. you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some eyeballs out there. Uh, you know, I always try to do that for you guys and try to get some pretty good right. reports things on these situations. But, but, uh, for, but in terms of for the public. Um, and and the media in general, uh, y- yes, it, it is a closed scrimmage. And then the final two okay. scrimmages are open to the public. Uh, the first one's up in Palm Beach, and then the uh, second one will be the spring game. Okay, let's go over the basketball now. Um, unless Bob Rotella can teach to carry the, some more moves in the post, we're in a little trouble. I, I don't know if you see somebody that big can't dominate that in the paint. He's, he has one move to the baseline. He, he never goes to the middle. It's, it's amazing to me. Well, he doesn't get a lot of chances, number one. And, and you know, the other problem that Jakiri has is he, he never jumps. Like, he, he plays very flat-footed. Uh, and uh, I don't think that's going to change here in the next week or so. So I, I think it is what it is. But, you know, I, I will say this, Greg. I, I didn't see – I was up at the ACC tournament, and I didn't see – I don't I don't feel like I saw a big man play much better than Jakiri. And you know, the the game of basketball has just changed a little bit and centers are different. A lot of teams are playing without centers and um you know, I I think you know, you you just got to accept him for what he is and and hope that he makes a great contribution here in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think our biggest problem is the inconsistency. Angel Rodriguez is great one game, and then he's less than great the next game. And no he doubt. can't have that in the tournament. But let's hope for the best. I think they can get to at least play Villanova if they play well. We'll That's all you can happens. ask for in, in this thing. You know, you, you want to get to the Sweet 16 and, and take your best shot. And, you know, Take care of business here this weekend in Providence. Get to the Sweet 16 in Louisville next week, and let the chips fall where they may. You know, you, at that point, your team is your team. You've practiced everything you can practice, and you, you just got to go out there and let it rip, and hope that you're that you put together a good game at the right moment and get hot. And you know, Jim Laranega has proven that he can take teams to that place. You know, and uh, he's he made the Final Four with a team that probably wasn't as good as the team he's going into the tournament with right now. So um, you've got the coach with the with the pedigree that can do it. You, the players just got to rise up. They have to relax. That's been their biggest problem. They get too damn uptight for these games. And, and you know, in the NCAA tournament, you have one bad five-minute uh, period – and you're going to be in big trouble. You know these teams are these teams are in the tournament for a reason, and you can't afford bad stretches like what Miami had at the beginning of the game against Virginia the other night, for example. And uh, really, they played Virginia, which is a number one seed. I thought pretty even, 
for at least three quarters of that game, but the, the, their jitters at the beginning, which resulted in them falling behind by 10 points, um, they never were able to overcome that. And, and that's what happens when you play these top teams. All right. All right. Thank you, Gary. I'll talk to you next week. You got it, Greg. Thanks for for calling the show. All right. 646-595-2048. It's the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 407. You're live on Team Sport Live. Yeah, I wanted to address another caller about uh, Jakiri. I think that uh, Jakiri, it's March. He has dead legs. He's a big guy. And uh, being seven foot, he makes people play through him, utilizes his length and his strength. And I think that's a a good strategy. But with the days off, uh, you know, he might get a little bit of that lift back. And and you may see a little more bounce in a step. Um, You know, March, these guys, their legs are pretty dead and tired. And a lot of them don't have the lift that they may have coming into the season. I don't know if his problem is lift as much as it is that he, for whatever reason, he just doesn't jump. Yeah, he, he, well, I think that the jumping is something when you're a big guy like that, um, you know, we don't really have anyone playing behind him. And if he's jumping and, and going after balls, he's going to draw a lot more fouls and, and, and be in foul trouble. And we really need him on the floor. We, it's it's probably uh, defensively a better tactic to utilize his strength and his length and, and make people play through him and over him. Uh, rather than go for all the, the shot blocks. Um, so as, as, from a basketball standpoint, I think that um, if we had better depth in the front court, then, um, you know, he may be able to, to go for more shot blocks. Um, and then just to switch it up to a little bit of football, um, I did notice one peculiarity. Um, you know, we talked about extensively the, the physique and the mass and the size of the uh, players. Um, you released uh, the roster today. And I did notice that Jermaine Grace, who's been a hard gainer throughout his career, um, was listed at 205, which was down from 221 last year. And yeah, well, that, that's because he was not 2 t. He wasn't 221. I told you guys that all along. He, he was not 220 pounds. I met him in person at the Shake Shack across the street. He told me he was 212. I think he yeah, just one of those. I would say he was about 210 or so. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would he's going to hover that. around that. But uh, you know, we see his weightlifting numbers. I mean, he he's, he's a lot stronger than than his size indicates. Um, and with the position that they're playing, I mean, if he can play anywhere north of 210, I think he can be effective. Uh, clearly, in the NFL draft next year, that could affect him. It's really hard to play at the NFL level at 210 pounds. Well, but, you know, uh, the, the the other thing I'll say is that you, you've got a different regime now, and you know, the Al Golden regime was focused on guys getting bigger. And they, you know, Manny Diaz and Mark Rick may not want Jermaine Grace to put on all kinds of silly weight. They might love his speed and the way Manny Diaz plays attacking defense and stuff. He might, you know, he might prefer Jermaine Grace right where he's at. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's very possible. I mean, we saw, you know, uh, you know, other guys like Chad Thomas appear to have lost about ten pounds, and. Uh, you know, if we can get guys like that, and, and, and you know, we got other guys that redshirted coming in, uh, the uh, the other defensive end out of Tampa. Uh, you know, this kid had an incredible first step at all Golden's camp, and he's just looking to gain some strength, and, and I think his knee's probably filled up now. I'd like to see how guys like that develop under Coach Cool. 
Yeah, I, I got a chance to watch Coach Cool on the field today, and it was it was it was kind of fun to be honest with you. You know, you've heard so much about him, and uh, you know, finally got a chance to to see him in action out there a little bit. And he, you know, he's a fiery guy. He's um, you could tell that he really knows his stuff, and you know, I think he's going to make these guys better. Well, we we'll look forward to it. Uh, we got 14 more practices to enjoy it, so let's see how the the team responds to coaching and see what uh, what kind of product we get this fall. You got it. Anything else All tonight? Right. Uh, nope, that's it. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks for calling the show. All right. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go out to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on with you? How you doing? Doing good. Who's this? Prince Akil. What's up, Prince? All right. I was just following up with you. Um, I think I saw something up there. You answered the question as far as the muscle mass and things of that nature. But when it comes to um, Jermaine Grace, like, I, I've never understood, like, well, I never understood why did he play linebacker if he was underweight. When he had the uh, he has he has the speed, and he has the size to be more like to complement like a, 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 a Jamal Carter to maybe be a, a free safety or a quote unquote rover back. Do you think it's probably too late in the process to probably change his position to a free safety or something? Yeah, like that? I'd, be, I'd be shocked if they did that at this point. You know, I I think he is what it is. He's been a lifelong linebacker. Uh, that's his. That's been his position since he was a, ki- a kid. He he he's obviously pretty good at it. And uh, the way Manny Diaz plays defense with guys blitzing and and, and stuff, I, I I'd be surprised if they switched him at this point. There's there's really no reason to do that. Okay, okay. So because I, I I'm saying to myself, man, if we can get uh, you know, even let's say we one of these freshman linebackers come in and you know, they do an outstanding job. You know, I know that we have a nickel back. You know, why not use him more like a a, a defensive back, linebacker slash rover back or whatever. That way you could have Jenkins, uh, 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 Carter, Grace on there, and two or three solid linebackers on there. So you have speed, athleticism, and give us that quick, quick, quick feel. Okay, let's get this play. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. So I was worried. I wanted to know about that. Um now, as far as Coach Cool is concerned, I guess is my question right here. With all the practices that you've ever seen from the first day of spring, spring, what was the initial energy that you probably, when you stepped on the field today or saw, what was the initial energy like, and how does that energy compare to any other energies from any other coaches that started? You know, I wouldn't call it an energy because it really wasn't okay. an energy today. T- today, it, it, you felt like you walked into a classroom, to be honest with you. I mean, th- th- there was a lot of teaching going on, a lot of fundamentals, um, a, a, a lot of emphasis on the little things, uh, much more so than yelling and screaming and, and hitting and, and, and things like that. It, I, you know, I, I think Mark Richt is, is and his staff are trying to start at the beginning and kind of build a base with this team and – you know, get, just 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 get them acclimated to how they want them to play football, and uh, you know they've got a lot of practices this spring to get into the more rah rah and and you know full full out football. But you know what I saw today was a lot of teaching. I saw a lot of basic routes, nothing fancy. Um, the the most basic routes in the game of football being run by the receivers. 
um, a lot of technique being taught to the linemen and things like that. And uh, so it really was more like a classroom today than a, um, you know, an, an atmosphere type of thing. So do you think Coach Rich, Coach Rich knows that there's a there's a, a, a big gap in the players' fundamentals of the game? Or do you think, like you said, it's him going over the fundamentals so he could build them up the right way so everybody could be, okay, this is how we're doing things the right way in this program, opposed to there's a big gap with the players understanding the fundamentals of football? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, look, the fundamentals of football are largely de- are often determined by who's coaching them. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Okay. I mean, not every coach, not every coach has the same idea of what fundamentals should be and what techniques should be, and that's what makes co- coaches better than other coaches. If it was as simple as everybody teaching the same things, uh, you wouldn't have the separation in coaching uh, that you have. But uh, you know, clearly, with a new regime coming in, they want to wipe out the bad habits or what they perceive as the bad habits, and, and they want to get the kids doing things their way and. Um, that's what the first day of spring practice was all about today, is, is getting the kids okay. doing it the way they want to see them do it. Okay. My last my last question. Now, based on the – and I know, you know, this may be – I want you to think about this question, and probably later on in the spring we'll probably answer it as we hit towards the fall. I'm more curious to know, with Mark Rich bringing his game down here, how much of the players – how many players will we be surprised that we can honestly say, hey, you know what? These players, although on the golden, they were not producing anything, and we can honestly say, you know what? It was because of the scheme that we ran. And now with Mark Rich implementing the, the new defense, the new offense, these players probably could feel like they can be more of their natural self and move forward. So that's something I want to be able to uh, get answered because I want to see which players – really make a difference with the new scheme and which players are just talented but don't understand. You know what I mean? So that's about it. I think it's going to depend on the position, in in all honesty. Okay. I think when you, you know, when you watch the running backs, I don't think you're going to see a lot of difference. You know, I think Mark Walton's going to still be the same Mark Walton. Yearby will be the same Yearby. Uh, hopefully Gus Edwards you know, plays well and gets back to what he was doing uh, before he was hurt. Um, so I don't think you'll see a ton of difference there. But, you know, where I do think you'll see a difference is maybe like, say, on the defensive line. I'm expecting to see a massive, massive difference up there with those guys being being coached a little bit better, with uh, Gerald Willis coming into the mix as a defensive tackle most likely. Um, you know, big Kendrick Norton in year two. Uh, I'm looking for big things out of him. I think Anthony Moten in his junior year will be a significantly better player than he's been at at any other stage of his career. Um, So, you know, that to me is is the type of position where you could expect to see, uh, you know, some elevation in the play of individuals. I mean, another one I would mention would be Cortell Jenkins. Uh, You know, I think he's one that, that could, you know, maybe here in his third year start excelling a little bit more than he has in in his first two. Uh, So you look at the coaching there, and that's where I, I see it coming into play. Um, the other thing I would keep an eye on, and we don't know yet about the quality of these guys as coaches. They're, very, they're inexperienced college coaches. But there's a reason why they chose to have two coaches in the defensive backfield. And that's because Manny Diaz likes to do a lot of things with those guys 
and really needs them to be fundamentally sound, needs them to be on, on top of what they're supposed to do and, and not be making mental errors. And that's why they divided that job up between two coaches with a cornerbacks coach and a safeties coach to give more individual time to the players that they're going to be counting on. Uh, so theoretically – that should lead to better play at that position. Uh, but we just don't know enough about those guys as college coaches yet. We'll have to see see how it goes. But, you know, I think those are a couple examples I can give you um, where you may not see such a difference and where you should see a big difference. Okay. And my last question, um, with, with the basketball team, on the, just to diverse a little bit with the basketball, with the basketball team, Having more complete wins, more you know, more of a complete wins this year against ranked teams and things of that nature, and the coach being as proven as he is, do you think with the, whether the Canes advance deep into the tournament or not deep in the tournament, do you think we will see an improvement overall as far as the recruitment in the class? opposed to having these players transfer and we're not really maximizing, utilizing them because they transferred in? Well, I think you're already seeing dividends in recruiting right now. I mean, when you look at the recruiting class that they have coming in this year in basketball, I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you've got Dewan Hule, who – to me, and from what everyone has t- told me about him, looks like a guy that's a candidate to potentially be a one and done type of prospect. You know, maybe one of the more wow. skilled guy, one of the more skilled guys to ever come into the program. You hope he's not a one and done because you want a great player like that in the program uh, for uh, at least a couple years. But uh, incredibly skilled guy, a guy that's a five star prospect universally. All throughout the prep ranks, everybody that does rankings has said this kid's a five-star, and he's a great player, and he's a local kid, and he's the kind of kid that you really can build around in terms of showing any top local kids um, that you can go to the University of Miami and have and, and be as successful as you might be at a North Carolina or a Kentucky if you're a five-star level player. And then a guy that is a four-star player – who I personally think is underrated. I mean, I've watched an enormous amount of film on this kid, and I just think he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and that's Bruce Brown, um, a guard, uh, who I think is going to be one of the better guards that's ever been in this program if he keeps developing the way it looks like he's going to. And then they got a four-star center by the name of Rodney Miller, who's a, a, a solid player. I mean, it's hard for a freshman center to come in and be dominant. Uh, you've seen how Tonya Jakiri had to develop over the course of his career. Uh, but uh, Roddy Miller's a kid that's extremely well-regarded as a recruit. And then they got a kid from um, Australia, Dejan Vasiljevic, I believe is how, how he pronounces it, and is a, a real crafty kind of combo guard. He shoots the ball extremely well, has played a lot of – um, basketball in the junior ranks out there um, in Australia. And he looks to me like he's going to be a guy that can make an immediate contribution to this team with his shooting next year. So I think you're already seeing the dividends by the way here in year four slash five of Jim Laranega that they're now stepping up their game in recruiting as well, where in the past they were solely reliant on elite transfers like Angel Rodriguez, um, like Sheldon McClellan. Now, 
they'll still go after their transfers, but now they're showing that they can compete for the elite high school players in the country, and that's a really big deal. Appreciate you, Gary, man. Keep me on hold, man. I love listening. You got it, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, the number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. You got the Canes going to Providence right now as we speak to get re- to get ready to, for the NCAA tournament on Thursday. You've got Canes football jumping into spring practice, so tons to talk about. Um, so we look forward to your phone calls as the night goes on. Let's go out now to the 561, where you're now live on Canes Sport Live. What's happening, Gary? This is Neil. Hey, what's up, Neil? Front row Neil. For you guys that don't know know front row Neil, he is probably the the biggest hurricane basketball fan that there is. And uh, he's the guy that sits in the front row across from the Canes bench and (laughs) is is always making sure that the officials are behaving themselves. The the student section is doing their thing and uh, kind of running the show at the buck and – I think it's probably a pretty safe guess, Neil, that uh, you're getting ready to go to Providence. Actually, I am. But before we get to basketball, one note about uh, this new coaching staff and where you might see uh, elevation in play, and you mentioned the defensive line, which I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I also think you're going to see an elevation in play in Brad Kaya. I think uh, he's got a a great opportunity to, uh, in his junior year, get to an even higher level with coaching directly from Mark Richt, who's just salivating to get back to his roots, which is coaching quarterbacks and calling plays. And I think he and Brad Kyer are going to get along great. And I think Brad Kyer is going to jump to the next level this year and be the quarterback that everybody thinks he can be. And some people think he already is. Um, and I also think you'll see elevation at the, in the offensive line as well. Quite frankly, you're going to see elevation in every aspect of this team simply because Al Golden is gone and we have a real football coach. Plain and simple. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat this. You have a real coaching staff for the first time in a long, long time at the University of Miami, and you'll start to see the effects of that right away. Now, well, I'll tell there. you this, Neil. I went out there today. <laughs> the boom box was gone. You know, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. not a hip hop club anymore out there on the practice field, and uh, there was some real <laughs> teaching going on. I mean, yeah. I, I, nice I, to I, see. Yeah, it was like a classroom out there. You know, nice they were really to see. I mean, uh, I'm glad the Al Golden Mark D'Onofrio circus has left town. Although Mark D'Onofrio is still around because he can't buy a job. <laughs> yeah, he <is laughs> somehow still Al talked himself into a job as tight ends coach. For the Detroit Lions, uh, he must be paying them to have given him a job. Anyway, so talk let's talk basketball. What do, you, what do you think of the NCAA tournament? Well, very exciting. Very exciting time of year, which, of course, gets even more exciting when the University of Miami is well-placed in, a, in, the, uh, in the tournament, unlike last year where we got left, where we got left out in the cold. This year we're a uh, highly ranked three-seed, and I think uh, we have a chance to uh, do some damage in this tournament. I don't know that this team is quite as good as the one from three years ago, but uh, this team has a lot of talent. And if they show up for all their games, chance that we could see them get to the second weekend for sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that. Everybody wants to compare teams now 
you know the team uh, that went to the Sweet 16 four years ago, and the and uh, or three years rather, and the, and, the, and and this one, and um, you know I'm not sure it's really fair. I mean they're two totally different types of teams, and you know different styles and different kids. I'm not sure you can really compare the two. Well, I, I mean, look, everybody's going to compare, especially when you know we haven't had that much success. And, of course, the 2013 team stands out, and quite frankly, but for the fact that they just had picked an awful, awful night to have an awful night in the Sweet 16 three years ago, I, that, that team was a Final Four team. It had all the parts. Yeah, this I agree. team I agree. is a shade, in my opinion, a shade below because they just don't have the guy that you know night in and night out is going to win you a basketball game if you need him like a Shane Larkin, like a Duran Scott, and uh, and even a Kenny Kaji. They but, do have you know, him. They do have him, Neil. He just doesn't step up and be that guy. And that's Sheldon McClellan. Well, Sheldon McClellan well, has you, all the skill you could want to, in a college yes, basketball player. But you have to step up to be that guy, and that has not been the case. And as, as he is the end of his fifth year, uh, you know, to think that that's going to change, I don't think so. The guy who has the mental toughness to do it is Angel Rodriguez, and he has done it on many occasions this year. And as much as we all knocked Angel last year, and, and he deserved it, quite frankly, he had a terrific year this year and, uh, you know, won us quite a few games. But those games where he and some others have, quite frankly, disappeared, especially at the beginning of games, has cost us you know, perhaps the number one seed in in this tournament, but a number one seed, but certainly, uh, you know, we didn't win any ACC regular season and uh, we certainly didn't win the tournament. And that's because in some, uh, in some games that required big time play, especially at the beginning, they were, they were kind of non-factors early on. So, uh, well, you know, that's the- what concerns me about this tournament, Gary, because the- on paper, they're obviously 20, 30 points better than Buffalo, and they're probably 10 to 15 points better than the next team they have to face, whether it's Arizona or possibly Wichita State. Um, you know, I've seen them called the highest rank, in other words, the highest ranked three seed in the tournament. They're getting a lot of respect nationally. They really are. But this team has to prove to me that in foreign territory, that they can come up big in big games. Well, you know, I've watched the whole season, obviously, and I'm thinking to myself, why is this team struggling so much on the road? And because I'm thinking back to past years when Jim Laranega was always able to go out to, you know, he was able to go to Duke and Carolina and and Mm -hmm. Syracuse and different places around the country and win those road games that nobody thought they could win. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this team's really good, but they're not winning on the road. But then – Jim very astutely pointed out, uh, yet, I think it was yesterday, that there were only two teams in the ACC this year, because the league was so deep, that had a winning record on the road. And both of those and teams we one of them. had six and five records, yeah, and right. and it was Miami and North Carolina. So um, I guess from that standpoint, they weren't so bad on the road, but it, it seemed to me... <laughs> Like in the biggest games on the road, they they just were very yeah. very antsy and very uptight, and and to me that yes. is their biggest hurdle here in the early rounds of the NCAA tournament, and I think that's why Jim on Sunday brought Bob Rotella in to speak to the team and, and try to get he their minds right. 
He loves that guy, well, but you know he what? Loves that guy. Um, you know, I know a lot of PGA Tour. I know a lot of PGA Tour pros who swear by Bob Rotella, and uh, he, he's a very well-respected sports uh, psychologist and a guy that's had success with athletes. And I could see why Jim reached out to him because I'm sure Jim, you know Jim up and, and I was up at the ACC tournament. He looked very frustrated, Neil, in that Virginia game. You know, he, he, they're there, they're on the big stage. This is the moment that they were waiting for the whole year, and. They came out and they blew the first ten minutes, basically, of the game. Yep. You know, maybe that, that was like, the game right there, and, honestly. And, and that was the game right there. They played Virginia pretty even for the last three quarters. Yeah, of that they game. did. They absolutely yeah. did. Com- and, Listen, and there was, when no, you consider the fact that they were more or less completely outplayed for the first ten minutes, they lose the game by five. You know, if they play even in the first ten minutes, it's a victory. Yeah, there was so, no uh, difference between those teams in the last in the last three quarters right. of that game, and um, you know. Yep. But I could sense Jim's frustration. Yeah, I I think that Me too. Uh, he feels like this this is a really good team that is that that can make some noise here in the next couple of weeks. And you know he he's trying everything he can think of to get them to relax and go in with the right mental frame of mind. And I I think yep. that's why he brought in Rotella. No, I, I I agree with you, and I hope it helps. I just look I. Team went nine and zero at home in the conference. They ran the table, which is a phenomenal achievement. Um, they they went toe to toe with teams, and down the stretch, when teams tend to fold, we did not. I mean, we beat Virginia down the stretch. We beat Louisville down the stretch in tough, hard fought games, very much like NCAA tournament games. We shine through in the last three, four minutes of those games. Uh, the, the, the problem has been the beginnings of some of these big games on the road or on neutral sites. And for all intents and purposes, the game against Virginia was a, was a road game. Virginia had 10,000 people in that arena in Washington, D.C., and we just froze in the moment of those first five to ten minutes. And it's very frustrating because we do have a senior-laden team, and that shouldn't be happening. When you say to get them to relax, I agree, relax. But quite frankly, I think they look too relaxed sometimes when they come out for these games. They gotta be ready to play. But I think this team uh, has an excellent chance to get through this first weekend and go to Louisville next weekend in the Sweet 16. And then who knows? You know, they might be playing Villanova. Villanova's, you know, a very suspect team in my opinion. And I, Villanova has fizzled out in tournaments year in and year out over the last five, six, seven years with very high seeding, very high ranking. So this team can beat anybody, perhaps with the exception of Kansas and North Carolina. Those teams just are big and they have excellent guard play, and I'm not sure we can match up with them. But anybody else, we can play with anybody. And you never know who's going to be around at the end. One of those two teams could get upset in an earlier round so this team has to take care and 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 play their game and come out confident ready to play and uh, hopefully we'll be going to louisville after we come home from providence so i I assume you've done your bracket i've done my bracket And, and, and and where do you have the canes going let's put it this way i have them going to the elite eight okay after that, uh, uh, they'd have to beat Kansas to get to the Final Four. Yeah. And uh, Kansas, to me, right now, is playing the best basketball of any team in the country. I've watched them improve from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, and their guard play the last month has been 
incredible. And here's how I rank uh, importance in the NCAA tournament. Number one, coaches. There are just certain coaches like uh, uh, the coach at Michigan State, Tom Izzo, like obviously Krzyzewski, like in different years when they were in a Rick Pitino, who I hate but have to admit that when it comes tournament time, his teams always seem to be around in the last eight and certainly, you know, in the final four. Um, so I rank coaching as the most important factor in the final four, in the, uh, in the tournament. Second is guard play. Your guards have to play well. They control the game in college basketball. And I think we have excellent guards, but they've got to play up to their own standards in this tournament, that being Angel, uh, Davon Reed, and Sheldon McClellan, and, of course, Jaquan Newton, who came off the bench and, quite frankly, showed no fear whatsoever in the game against Virginia. He was terrific. And then, of course, third are your bigs. And, you know, Tanya Jakiri has to not only stay out of foul trouble – He's got a rebound. He has got yep. to be 10-plus rebounds in the games in this tournament, and that's what we need. But, you know, coaching, I think Jim Laranega is one of the best in the country. Uh, he certainly has taken a team to the Final Four. He understands what this tournament is all about. And uh, I, I think our guard play, again, if they, if they do what they're supposed to do, we have excellent, excellent guards, experienced, uh, Angel has played in this tournament before. You know, this is the first time for Sheldon, first time for Davon, but they know what it takes. And uh, I, I think we got a shot, you know. But uh, like like we said before, you can't play Arizona in the second round and freeze in the moment. Yep, no doubt. You know, you can't go down 10, 12 points in these tournament games and expect to dig yourself out of those holes. We dug ourselves out of two different holes against Virginia. We were down 12 came back, cut it to five at halftime, which I was very pleased about. And then we went down 13 with about six minutes left in the game. We cut it down to a – I think we got it down to a one-possession game at one point. It was a three-point game, takes, yeah. It takes energy to do that and no room for mistakes. And so we can't afford that. We've got to be in the games from the get-go. Um, and that's, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting us to play well in Providence. All right, Neil. Well, thanks for uh, sharing that with I us. I appreciate and, uh, it. Sure, you're going to have a great trip. And uh, don't come back home without that uh, sweet 16 berth. Well, tell uh, tell everybody if they want to follow me on Twitter, they'll get up-to-the-minute updates <laughs> from Providence. <laughs> Unless I'm throwing my phone, then I won't be able to do it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will see you in Providence on Thursday, Gary. All right, Neil. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah, he really is. I'll tell you, that guy is is some fan. Uh, I mean, football, basketball, doesn't matter. Uh, just a phenomenal fan, and uh, glad he was able to share his thoughts with us here tonight. All right, we have an open board now. So plenty of room for other guys that want to come in and share their thoughts. Uh, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Again, remember, hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Hit that number one on your keypad. Um, while we wait to see who would like to come on next, let me go back to our list of topics here that were submitted by the fans at canesport.com that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And the next one, can Coach Stacy Searles fix the offensive line? And, man, 
I'll tell you that's a that that's a hell of a question, obviously, because it's it's such an important uh, element in in this the potential improvement of this football team and football program. Um, I'm sure many of you agree with me that the offensive line uh, did not achieve at the necessary level last year and um, needs to take a big step forward this year. But, you know, to try to answer that question, can Stacey Searles fix it? Um, you know, the thing I worry about is the, 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 the roster at that spot. And, you know, to me, um, the, I guess you could say, lack of high-impact recruits and prospects there. And um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, I'll go ahead and talk about them here real quick for a moment. I mean, I'll going down the list, uh, Casey McDermott, uh, a guy that's now a junior because they didn't redshirt him in his first year. Um, you know, thank you. Al Golden on that one, you know, one of many examples on this team of a kid that should have redshirted uh, as a true freshman. It looks right now like they're going to take their first look of, at KC at guard. Uh, he was playing a lot of guard today as opposed to to, to right tackle. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. But, uh, you know, I believe Casey McDermott is a kid that can be a very solid player. I don't know that he'll be an All-American or anything, but he could be a very solid player on the offensive line, certainly should be uh, one of the five starters. So when say when you ask the question, can Stacey Searles fix the offensive line, um, I think that's certainly a place where he needs to start, and he needs to get Casey McDermott to a level in his game um, that he could be a major asset towards improving the overall play. Um, Hunter Knighton, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know God bless him, he made it through. Uh, that whole health episode and and and, and scare and, and and all that and came back and played last year, but you know I don't harbor any illusions that he's ever going to be a starter for this football team. Uh, right now they're working Alex Gall, everyone's favorite, at backup center. Um, he actually was the starting center today because Nick Linder was not at practice. Not sure why uh, Coach Coach Rick didn't share that with us, but. Uh, I uh, don't think it's anything major or, or anything along those lines. I think Nick Linder will be out there this spring. Um, but, um, you know, I personally don't know how much upside there is for Hunter Knighton. Um, another guy that might be, maybe it's too early in his career to really cast a lot of judgment on, uh, that's Hayden Mahoney. Don't really have a lot to say one way or the other. Uh, just not sure that we could sit here and predict that he's going to move the needle very much. Uh, Danny Isadora at, at guard is a guy that they badly need to be a big-time player this year. Uh, we'll see where they end up slotting them, uh, you know, wh- what position they decide is best for Isadora. But, uh, you know, he should certainly be one of the starting five. Uh, Sonny Adagu's hurt right now, very inconsistent the first few years of his career. We'll see what happens there. We talked about Alex Gall. I, I don't think you have much there. Uh, he'll obviously be a backup. Um, Nick Linder is getting ready to start his third year at center. Should be a solid player. Um, can Stacy Searles make him great? Um, I don't know about that. You know, I, if I had to make a prediction, it would be no. Um, but you know, right now, and it goes along with what I, you know, what I've said with the whole position in general. Um, in that, I'm not sure that it's at the talent level that Miami should be at 
at that spot. But uh, you know, Nick Linder's looking at at a, at a four-year career as a starter. That's not too bad. Um, you know, he 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 has achieved uh, very well uh, for a guy that a lot of people didn't think was going to be big enough or make it coming out of high school. So, uh, you know, good job for Nick Linder. But is he a great center? I'm not sure we could say that. Um, Tyler Grimsley is a kid that, to me, never should have been recruited. Um, Trevor Darling, who's, who's who played mostly tackle last year, to me, he needs to be a guard. Uh, not sure what they're going to do there. The fact that they're playing McDermott at guard seems to suggest that maybe they think Darling um, will stay at tackle. You know, just you know, the, the the lesser of two evils there when you're weighing him or McDermott and who's going to be a tackle. Uh, Tyler Gauthier is a, is a strong kid who hasn't really played a whole heck of a lot. You don't know what you have there. Same thing with Brendan Loftus, um, a young kid out of Tallahassee. Early indications, you know, are not were not real, real favorable. But you know, maybe Stacy Searles can develop him. We'll see. Uh, Jair Jones is a kid that I've felt could take a step forward this year. Um, we'll see how he does this spring. Uh, Tyree St. Louis. Big 312-pound kid should have redshirted last year. Didn't yet, yet another mistake by the Golden Regime. Um, but he should figure into some playing time this year. And then you got Bar Milo, another big 6'6 kid, 300-pound kid, uh, who you know I think's got a chance under Stacy Searles to take a forward step this spring. So I mean, you've got some guys there that have a chance to move forward. But do I think Miami's going to bounce out of this and suddenly have? One of the best offensive lines in the country. Um, no, I can't at this time make that prediction. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, the callers are starting to flow onto the board, so let's go back out now to the 704. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Are you with us? 704, going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. Sorry about that. Let's go to the 757, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hello? Are you with us? All right, you're going to have to call back, too. All right, let's go to the 318. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? Uh, this that poor city Kane again. Uh, hey, and, what's uh, up, man? I, had, I just called. Yeah, I just called. I just called and I got on. I can't believe it. But you know, uh, before I go into the show, just pray for Shreveport and Bolger. You know, we got all that water, uh, and you know, all the water and a lot of flood. But most of the people was okay. And so, you know, I just want y'all, everybody who's listening, just pray for our city that uh, we'll continue to recover. But uh, I came on the show just to say. Uh, did you get a chance to just the first question I want to? Did you get a chance to see the practice today? And how did it look? What was your first impression? I just called, so I don't know. Maybe yeah, you already um, went over this. Yeah, we were we were out there for a while today, and uh, you know, my first impression is, wow, this looks like a football practice. The DJs are gone. The big boom boxes are gone. You know, no hip hop blasting and and things like that. It's just pure football. And I saw a lot of teaching. Going on, it kind of it looked like an NFL practice, to be honest with you. You know, NFL practices are like that. There's a lot of a lot of instruction going on. A lot of the coaches doing a lot of work, and not a lot of rah rah um, kind of atmosphere at those practices, like like some college practices uh, tend to be. And uh, 
just a lot of teaching going on, a lot of fundamentals being stressed. And um, Mark Richt and his coaching staff kind of laying the foundation for what they're hoping to accomplish. Okay, and let me ask this question. What's the status of Jahir Jones and uh, the other offensive lineman who got in trouble? Do you think that they'll be suspended for a game or two? I don't don't think so. I don't think so. Everything I've heard is it really was not a very major incident. Um, I'm expecting it to work itself out, and I don't think at the end of the day they'll be charged. I mean, I can't speak for the state attorney's office, obviously, but um, I don't think they'll be charged at the end of the day, and I think it'll work itself out, and I'll be surprised if they are suspended. And uh, I got maybe two more questions, but were there any uh, big-time recruits present at practice today? Um. There, there were a few out there. They right now, for whatever reason, they seem to be focusing real, real hard um, on 2017 and 2018 kids. But uh, one kid that we did see out there today was um, Derek Smith. Uh, he, he's a wide receiver from Jacksonville Trinity. Um, uh, you know, we spoke to him afterwards. He told us that he really, really, really liked Miami, and and um, I, I think there's a great chance that he'll be a Miami commitment in the future. I think it it, it would literally take something really crazy to happen um, for him not to end up at Miami. Uh, So he's, he's one guy that was out there and uh, you know, there, there were a few other guys, you know, kind of bouncing around as, as well. Um, And I think you'll see as spring practice continues, you're going to see a lot of these prospects from around the state, uh, Popping, popping out the spring, spring grills out there. Okay, and my final question: Did you get a chance to see the DBs, and what what little of it that you, if you did see some of the DBs, were you impressed by anybody out there today? Um, no, it's it's not that far along to where we would be impressed by any individual. I mean, like I said, they're mostly doing drills. Uh, there, there's no real football. Not a lot of real football was played out there today that we saw, so um, I, I think it's 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 a little early for that. I I think that right now it's mostly about um, building a base uh, for what they want to do the rest of the spring, and that starts with fundamentals. And I think that's why uh, the focus today was on teaching by the coaching staff. Oh, and, and by the way, another another kid I can tell you about that was out of practice today uh, was a 2018 wide receiver by the name of Warren Thompson. Uh, he's from Sefner Ar- Armwood, and uh, you know, right now Miami's number one on his list. He's a couple years away, but uh, um, remember that name, Warren Thompson. He's another one that was out there today. Okay, then. Well, I appreciate you for having me on, Gary, and just put me on hold. No sweat, man. Uh, thanks for being part of the show. 646-595-2048, we got plenty of room for everybody that wants to be on the show. Hit the number one on your keypad, which will prompt us that you want to come on. Uh, let's go out now to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? How you doing, man? Doing good. Who's this? Zeke, man. Hey, what's up, Zeke? How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. Hey, hey uh, Gary, let me ask you, man, uh, is the uh, – what are you hearing about the uh, – is, is Miami done with their 2016 class, or are you hearing any other names that may come in? Uh, I'm sure they're fishing. 
uh, always okay. keeping their eyes open. But uh, right now, we don't have any names. No, no, nothing that we've heard of is in the works for 2016. Uh, from what we could see, the focus seems to be on 2017 and 18. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. You were able to some talk about that boy Jackson that at the JUCO college that was at no, Florida at one time. I, that, I think that was kind of falsely reported, to be honest with you. I mean, um you know, I don't think that Miami was really serious about him. They made one phone call. Okay, it was one phone call okay. just to check it out. Okay, uh, they were they okay. weren't they were not seriously recruiting him, and we never felt they were. You know, we kept seeing those reports, and it just didn't make sense to us because everything we were being told and everything we were seeing didn't suggest that they were seriously recruiting him. Right, right. Okay, all right. Well, that's all I have, uh, Gary. Man, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. All right. Thanks for being part of the show. Yep. All right, we have an open board again, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, In the meantime, while we're waiting for our next caller to emerge that wants to speak, let's um, go back to the topics that were given to us by the fans on the message boards at canesport.com. Will Nick Linder... Start again this season. Well, yeah, I just talked about Nick, and I don't think there's any question that he's going to start again this season and uh, will probably be a four-year starter at Miami, which is an amazing accomplishment for a kid that, you know, is not a great, great player. I mean, you talk about a four-year starter, you're usually looking at a guy that's going to be drafted in the first or second round who's um, an elite-level prospect. Um, Nick Linder has been more of a kid who's a, got great work ethic, great character, and has capitalized on an opportunity and uh, taken the starting job uh, that was there and uh, and held on to it. And I don't see anybody taking it away from him. Uh, so I think the answer to will Nick Linder start again this season would have to unequivocally um, be a yes. That I, I do believe that you will see Nick Linder as the starter once again. What are the chances of Trayon Gray making the two deep roster after the spring? And if he doesn't, will they slide him out to wide receiver? You know, I was watching the wide receivers today, <laughs> and man, they don't have much out there. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's not much out there right now. They need these freshmen to come in and be ready to play. You know, Amon Richards, Sam Bruce. Uh, they're going to need those guys this year. It, 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 it's not pretty out there at wide receiver right now. There's a real shortage of bodies, and that's why it seems like almost every single rec- recruit coming through the front gate at these practices is a receiver because, you know, you're going to see them in the next couple of years probably sign seven, eight, nine receivers, I bet you. Uh, to replenish this roster uh, with receiving bodies, maybe even more. You might even see ten. Or you know, I, I mean, I'm telling you, there's not much out there at receiver right now. And um, you know, I, I guess when you look at it that way, maybe it wouldn't be such a shock for Trayon Gray to get a look at receiver. But I'm just not sure that once the roster gets rebuilt here over the next 12 months or so at that position. With guys like Amon Richards and Sam Bruce, and and hopefully you know so, some other great recruits to come, that there's going to be a place there for him either. And he's kind of like a, a really good athlete without a position right now. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't I don't really have any predictions. I you know we got to see 
how he does throughout the rest of spring practice. And um, I, I know everyone loves him and is very consumed uh, with Treon Gray, but it's just he, he's a hard kid to make predictions on. You just don't know what's next for him. And uh, right now he's, he's in a log jam at running back where, um, you know, you don't really have a great franchise back. It's really going to be a position by committee. And right now he's probably the fourth guy. You know, if you slot Gus Edwards in there, which I think you have to, um, you know, he's probably the fourth guy right now, and that's tough. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough hurdle to overcome. Now, the good thing for Treon is that it's a clean slate with a new coaching staff, and if he has a great spring, uh, then I think he'll get an honest look. I really do. I don't think there's any favorites being played out um, by this coaching staff. So, um, you know, that's the most I could say right now about Treon Gray. Um, is this the season, and is Mark Rick the coach, that will help Brad Kaya get over the hump? Meaning, keep drives alive. Make that first down, the critical first down, um, which all goes into rallying the team from behind in the fourth quarter to win games. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, it's a spot-on question. Uh you know, I've said it, and you know, I'm a huge Brad Kaya fan. I love the kid. I love the family he comes from. Uh, I love what he's done in his first two years. But th- th- there's a cold truth to his situation as well, and that's the fact that he does not have a signature victory on his resume. He has not brought this team from behind in a fourth quarter to win a game. Um does not have that, that 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 great upset victory on the road or anything along those lines. I mean, he does have a lot of really nice stats as the starter for the University of Miami for two seasons now. And he does have the reputation that comes along with that. Um, however, in, in, in my opinion, as I've stated on this show many times in the past, I think there's a big upside with Brad Kaya, and I think there's still so much more that he can do. And uh, I I think that the change in coaching is good for him because this gives him a chance now to have some fresh ideas and be coached by a a veteran guy who's developed some extremely good quarterbacks throughout his career in Mark Richt and see where that takes him. And uh, so I think it's a very applicable question for this year. You know, will Brad Kaya get over the hump and can Mark Richt take him there? Uh, and we'll have to see how it develops. I mean, my answer would be yes. Uh, you know, conventional wisdom suggests that both those things can happen this year with Brad Kaya, but they have to happen, and, we'll, and you know, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, I like the combo. I, I think Mark Richt is good for Brad Kaya, and I think having a veteran guy in your first year as the head coach at Miami coming in here like Mark Richt is uh, with Brad Kaya in that role, uh, I think is a very good thing for Mark Richt as well. So I think that they'll be great for each other. 646-595-2048 is the number. 646-595-2048. Again, hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, we do have open slots. I think everyone's watching election results this evening. Uh for those of you who are interested, uh, Donald Trump looks like he is going to handily win the state of Florida, as is Hillary Clinton. Um, and we'll see. Uh, Clinton is really having a big night. She's also leading in Illinois and Missouri. She's winning Ohio. 
um, so that Bernie Sanders' candidacy taking a huge hit here on this Tuesday. And uh, those of you interested in the Democratic race, I think, can start getting pretty comfortable with the notion that Hillary Clinton's going to be the nominee there. Where it's going to get interesting is if she ever gets indicted for that email situation and that nobody really knows about right now. Um, The Republican race, with uh, it looking like John Kasich is going to win Ohio, is going to throw that up in the air a little bit just because – you know, you you've seen what's going on with Donald Trump and all the craziness, and uh, you know he's got to get to that delegate count, or else the the Republican convention is going to be the biggest circus in the history of American politics, and there's no telling um, what'll happen there. But uh, it's looking right now like Trump is going to narrowly uh, edge out Ted Cruz in North Carolina, and um, you know you'll see how that goes. It's uh, obviously for those of you that are into politics. Uh, it's it's been quite a uh, a crazy 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 election season so far. All right, let's go back out to the phone lines and let's go out now to the nine five four where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing? It's me again, uh, Plus Kill. I had a quick question for you. Yeah, go ahead. About Brad Tyler. I honestly, I have to agree with you. Um, as much as I want to like Brad Tyler. I can honestly say deep inside my heart and soul, I feel like Brad Kaya, the only reason why Brad Kaya is the quarterback and he's getting the attention that he has right now at Miami is because Miami's past of not being able to recruit a Herald quarterback, period. I look at the game against Florida State. When he had an opportunity to win the game in the last moment, but his decision-making under pressure, when it really counts, shows that whether it be the coaching or his inability to trust himself in his decision-making is where he really, really needs to take that extra step to be this quote-unquote first-round quarterback, you know, possible first-round quarterback draft pick, possible going down in the University of Miami as one of the great quarterbacks, um, our inability to bring elite talent to the University of Miami under Al Golden regime has put Brad Kaya at the forefront of, you know, this quarterback situation right now because I honestly feel that whether Brad Kaya stays this finished this year and, and stays his senior year, I think there may be some strongholds whereas uh, Mark Rich maybe say, okay, he may not be as good as advertised, but when it comes to his decision-making and his ability to perform under pressure, that's where I think we're going to be able to see if Mark Rich can can truly show that there's a degree separation between him and James Coley and also Al Golden. That right there, because like I said, he's not uh, a marquee quarterback in college football to me. I know he got the stat. I know Miami fans are like, what are you talking about? Well, but, he can be, though. I mean, he, he can be. I mean, he, he's he got a, a nice base to work off of from his first two years. And, you know, the the question with it, with Kaya is going to be now, can he go to the next level? Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And my last question is, how much of an involvement do you think Mark Rich is going to allow 
past players like your Warren Sapp, your Philip Buchanan, to be actively involved with allowing the current players to really understand the tradition and who they're playing for. Do you think he's actually looking to them to support him as he gets these players to really buy into that, okay, it's a Kane thing, or we invented a swag and all that? I I haven't seen that yet. You know, you're seeing sprinklings of guys out there watching practice, uh, you know, that that have played through the years, some of which that played with Mark Richt. Um, I saw Juan Comandero out there today, um, Shirko uh, Razui, the offensive lineman, was out there today. Trying to think who else I saw out there. Uh, I think I saw Ian Sinclair out there today. Um, so guys are starting to pop out there. You know, I'm, I didn't see Warren Sapp out there today. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know that it's going to become that. You know, pronounced right now um, in, in that regard. But uh, I don't think that that there's a closed door by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Okay. All right. But I'm still. Hey, listen. I'm going to be riding Kaya all the way until. We get in the game a similar situation to Florida State. Until Brad Kaya gets that signature win and shows me that he could perform under pressure, I'm going to get here and say is, yes, he's 6'5", yes, he's 215, but he's just a body right now without a signature win. He cannot perform under pressure. That's just my thoughts, Gary. All right, man. Thanks for calling back Thank in. You, you know, it, it, it seems like you know people are being hard on Kaya who who say that, but the the truth is he doesn't. And, and you know, you look back at the at the Florida State game, for example, where those passes were being batted down when Miami's trying to win the game, and it's like you know you got to find a, a a great quarterback finds those lanes. He senses where the defensive linemen are. He senses that those arms might be coming up and he, and he slides in the pocket and gets himself a throwing lane. And those are the little things and the little nuances that Brad Kaya is going to have to start doing to take his game to the next level and start leading uh, victories in those games that we're talking about. All right. Uh, six, four, six, five, nine, five, two, zero, four, eight, hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go out now to the nine, seven, three. You're live on Kane sport live. Hey Gary, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey Gary, um, I was not going to talk about the Brad Kaya thing. We did this last week. Um, this guy who just hung up, but you brought it up, and uh, and now I'm going to sound like I'm defending him in the point. But I, I get your point. I get what you, you you know you brought it up again. I understand what you are saying, and I kind of want to agree with the, the guy that called, but I'm just going to disagree. For Brad, again, you're saying the Florida State game, the Florida State game. I'm I'm not saying every big – me personally, and again, I love Brad Kaya. I think he's been great. Uh, Two-year starter, has wonderful stats. You know, we'll probably leave here at the top of the record books and all that stuff. But to me, to be great, you got to win – you got to win football games, and you got to win games on the road, and you got to beat good teams. They haven't done that yet. I'm going to address that for my, for, for, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my opinion, and I'm sure maybe I, 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 I you know, I have probably about 10 more, 80 more, 100 more people agree with me, and then other people on the other side. So this is what my, my take wants more and beyond. But again, going through that game, I watch, I go back and watch games all the time just because I'm just such a diehard. And and my take on this is I keep seeing him before. During that game, he was only distressed. We're forgetting we had a horrible. Let's, I don't want to hear anything about numbers. 
we had a horrible offensive line. Horrible. And on top of that, we had a guy that was very inconsistent for his play calling. If his pass is being batted down, look at the look where he was trying to pass the ball to and who he was trying to pass it to. It's the play calling and the theme as far as where he should go with the ball, his direction. If, it, if the ball is being batted are you still there? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if the ball is being batted down, what about changing where he goes with the ball? So I think he was terrible. It was, it was a terrible coaching staff. They they put him in the worst situation possible all the time. We couldn't even move the ball times. Now again, making comeback plays and come back and winning games also count on your defense. You got to get your defense to put you back in situations so you can have comeback. I, I guarantee if we go back and look at all these guys, the Clemson quarterbacks, the the, the, the from the past. SEC, ACC guys, and Big Ten, if they're making comeback passes and winning games, what did, just look at Michigan State. When, you, when they're coming back in the games and they're winning games for the comeback, where did their defense make plays? Did the defense stop the ball, put them in position to, to have comeback plays? So, yes, he's 6'5", and we want to you know, we want to bash him or whatever. Let's, let's just give him this year. Let's just give him this year before we go there. And, and I hope he sticks around. So I don't think he's going nowhere. I think he's going to run better this year. He's going to look good. And I think he's going to look better the following year. So, I, me, I'm defending him because I'm thinking that just take a look at everything that's going on. It, I think today was an indictment, um, Gary. It was an indictment on the old coaching staff for some of the stuff that these guys were saying in the interview. Now, I don't want to go too far with it. I don't want to go, you know, you know go, go way too far in saying that these guys was, was, was killing the coaches. But I think it was an indictment a day for some of the stuff that these guys were saying. Just think about that for a second. They were saying that they was having more fun. Now, it's it's a fine line there. We don't want to have that too much fun where they're getting away with a lot of nonsense. But it just tells you what was going on when those whole guys was here. And I am going to defend Brad to the fullest with this one, okay, because the kid is a good kid. He learns. He picks up well. I think he was just a terrible situation that he was in, and we had no, no offensive line. None. Let me at let all. me stop. Let me let me stop you for one second. I don't I don't think he has to be defended. I mean, it's not a matter of defending him. I mean, no one's attacking Brad Kaya. I mean, he came in as a true freshman, was totally unprepared to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, exactly. he had to be because he had nobody else. He went the whole year was the starting quarterback. Came back last year with a team that underachieved again and got the got the head coach fired, and was the starting quarterback for the whole year again. I don't think I don't think I think Brad Kaya is beloved by the fan base. I don't think that no, anyone no, I don't think anyone's attacking him and, and I don't no, think you have to defend him. But but the bottom line is he's gotta win football games to be considered a great quarterback. But how do you win football games when you're not being properly put through the fight situation? When you when when your 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 running backs can't block anybody. They can't they get the quarterback killed. Guys Gary, we watch the same games. Look at our running back. We only have one running back. They have totally put a couple of linebackers on their touches when they're blocking them. Only one guy, and he was five eight five nine. We have not had another running back that comes and plugs and smacks the hell out of a linebacker trying to come and get our quarterback or, or come on an hard pitch and, and, and really edge block. Very fair very fair point. Totally agree with you. But I still say if ten years from now you're gonna be looking back at Brad Kaya 
and you're going to be putting him in the same breath as Ken Dorsey, Bernie Kosar, Vinny Testaverde, Gino Toretta, even guys like Craig Erickson and Steve Walsh. If you're going to put him in that league of former Hurricanes, he's got to beat somebody. That, well, let, me, let me say, can I say this? And I, again, if I'm wrong, I, that's why I listen to your show, and you need to correct me. Because then I, I'm not right about anything. So here's the thing. Can he be a little bit better than Berlin? And then he'll be – because why does, why does he have to be in that quarter category? Why can't he just be Brad Chatter that's going to lead whatever offense? He absolutely can, and that's my point. Okay, so why do you have to put him in that's what he why is right now. Why do you have to put him with those guys? He, well, he, he doesn't, and he's not right now. And that's because he hasn't doesn't have signature victories. Well, can he, can he, be, can he just be 10, maybe 5, 6 times better than Brock? And if he's 6 times better than Brock, Brock was gusty. He, he did what he needed to do to win games. If he's 6 times better than Brock, then we got a quarter. We got what we need. Because yeah. you, you, made a, you made a statement earlier, and I kind of like one of the things I wanted to address. Now, again, I'm not coming at you or anything. I just want to kind of like talk about it a little bit. You said you don't expect the running backs, the two running backs from last year, to look any different. Well, I'll tell you what. If they're not going to look any different, Gary, we're in trouble. Because it was times when they just didn't look like, again, they didn't look like they knew what they were going to do with the ball. Meaning we never really threw the ball out of the backfield to them. And when they got well, it, I mean, we, I mean, that's not true. No, what I'm saying, when we did it, we didn't get anything out of it. So we really could only one running back did that. And I was with Walsh at that time. That's why we say sometimes he looked like a wide receiver. Every, if anything, I think that hurt us more than helped us because when he got, he only got two or three yards out of it. It was, it was something that we didn't need. We wasn't, we weren't benefit from it. We weren't benefit as an offense. Look, look at the offensive production we had this year. It was terrible. It was terrible. How many times are we watching the game when we're just frustrated as fans, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out? So it was a combination of everything. So your quarterback ain't throwing the proper yards to get plays. We're, we're, we need nine yards on wide receivers are running six. Tell me I'm wrong with that. Say, say it again? We need a nine yards on our wide receivers to run six yard uh, routes. A, a nine a nine yard and out wide. Yeah, third and third and seven and our wide receivers are running the, the, like short routes. I mean, re- oh, I agree. Running, yeah, I've always hated that. You see that all over football. But the quarterback is getting the ball out of his hands real quick, and then we asking our wide receivers, guys who cannot do it, to try to get yards after catch when they're not in position to do that. So again, it's the frustration is me hearing some of the stuff that's going on and, and people coming in and they're saying that this and saying that, I've also day one, you know, I'm, I'm Ross from Jersey. From day one, the first time you heard my voice on your show, the first thing I complained about, Gary, was that offensive lineman. Remember that? That's the first thing I brought up. And that has not changed in two years. And that's what has to change in order for us to, to succeed. And, and another person I want to touch on real quick is chocolate. Okay? You, you're saying that Mm, he might be able to do this. He might be able to get that position. He's our fourth running back. And well, you know what? That's so. Should I, can I ask you a question? So you're telling us that you just be honest with us. Be honest. Are you telling us that you just don't think he is that good? You, they missed on him a little bit. I don't, think, I don't think we know. I, I, we don't know. I, you know, he he's always been the fourth running back. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't we don't know. Uh-huh. You think they heard him? You think they heard him by playing him right away? I think they heard him by playing him right away. 
Yeah, yeah, he's red shirted. Yes. So that's one again another guy that they really put in a bad situation. That's probably going to be leaving school. We're saying what could have happened, what should have happened. So again, a lot of our fans just need to remember. The fact that that kid is a junior this year is is criminal. It's terrible. It's terrible. Criminal. Say it again. Criminal. (laughs) It's not terrible. It's criminal. He should be a redshirt sophomore. Exactly. And that's why our fan base got to really look at some of the guys that they're thinking about. And, we're, you know, when we're, when we're saying these things, we really have to look and see who we're talking about and when did they play and why should they be playing. So this was a kid that should have been redshirting. He should have dropped at least 10 to 15 pounds, probably 10 pounds, go through what he needs to go through as a player mentally, being on campus. Everything as far as competing in practice and and, and pushing the other guys to when his turn comes. But he didn't have to do that. I remember the first time he became eligible when he was on the field, he was out there running routes on. They said he could be a wide receiver. They immediately put him out of position, and they had no idea what they wanted to do with him. But he was, quote, unquote, considered to be a big-time recruit. Now, if a guy's coming as a quarterback out of high school and you're bringing him into your program, why would you just throw him out there and not redshirt him, and give him a year to really think about things, get his body right and his mind right. Because remember now, the, Trump, the situation that he was in, he, he almost didn't get on campus. So you're working, you're working on everything you got. So why, why are you rushing him when you, you have all the, uh, all the cards? He doesn't have all the cards anymore because he just get in on, on, a, on a win. It yeah. just shows you how inexperienced and how inept these guys were as far as being the coaching staff. It just really, it just, it really, really shows that, and and I, I'm, I'm annoyed by it. Just annoyed. It, All right, um, Ross, you, one, got, you, you got, you got anything? One last thing. One last thing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about this, um, the boombox. We're not blasting the boombox, and and and, and so I, I like it, the fact that they're not doing that. But let me ask you this: Do you think the only reason why they're not doing that is because they're trying to install what they need to install now? Do you think something like that's going to come back in the future? Did you already get word? No. I think there is. I would bet everything right now, Ross. There is zero chance that they're bringing the boom box back to practice unless it's there to play the war chant or something Florida State Week. You know, if, 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 if it's there to simulate crowd noise, then I think they'll use it again. But they're not using it for background music for the entire practice like they used to. You know, I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm not saying it should. Whatever it's going to take for us to pull off nine or ten victories, I'm for it. So if it's getting rid of the jukebox, I don't give a hell. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Dump it. But I just thought maybe they didn't they didn't have it out there for, for the first week or so because they oh, need to install it. I think Golden put it out there trying to be cool to the players and, and recruits. Like, hey, we practice the hip-hop. Because he couldn't get them any other way, but he was trying to impress them by doing that. Showed you again. Practice hip-hop, you know. Yeah, that, that's 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 a stupid, stupid like idea. It. I didn't like it either. It is not a big deal to me. If you're popping guys in the in, 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 in the gut and you're knocking them over and you're praying hard and you're practicing hard, that's what I want. So again, Gary, some of the things that we need to pay attention to is when has the last time we seen our running backs really knock the out of somebody in practice or in a game? And those are the type of things I wish changed soon and right away, and then some of this aggressive play that we need to see on defense. We're going to give up plays, but we're also going to make plays, too. So that, that's it's just, you know, we got a long way to go, Gary. I'm probably going to call you about another six times 
But um, Probably. just want to get the Brad thing out, man. I'm just don't lay, lay off this guy because let's look at look who he was who, who he was um in a sense working for and, and being coached by. You know, let's Fair just enough. keep that in mind. Fair enough. Uh, I, great point. I don't. I, I, I certainly don't disagree. I just you I know all, the only thing I've said is if, if if he's going to go down as a great hurricane quarterback, he's got to win some games. That's all. All right, and I'll say this. All right, Ross. I said it's the guy that called him before. He said he's going to continue to ride. Well, I'm going to continue to defend him. So if he can come up with some new stuff, I'm going to have something to defend that. So let's me and we can have a little we can have a little content. We can have a little thing that we can do every week. Because uh, if he comes up with something new, I have something to rebuff that. So you know, I'm a Brad guy. I'm going to defend Brad. Let me see what he has to say, and I'm going to defend Brad. Now, if he says something that sounds good, then I'm going to say he's right, and then, I, then I'll leave it at that. Real talk. All right, Ross. Fair, fair enough, in. man. Thanks for thanks for calling in. We'll, right, uh, we'll talk. In, yeah, I'll, I'll talk talk to you next week. Let's go out now to the 703. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Danny. Hey, what's up, Danny? How you doing? Not much. Um, hey, I wanted to comment on um, Brad Guy as well. Um, it's not just the winning games. His third down uh, efficiency is awful. So it's kind of that clutch gene you're talking about, which you just haven't seen yet. It's not Winning games because the coaching and the rest of the team has obviously has something to do with that. But I've never seen someone as bad as him on third down. Uh, well, would you one, agree? I think yeah. I think one feeds into the other. I think the reason he's not winning games is that he hasn't become a good third down quarterback yet. And you know, it's the, it's the little things I talk about: sliding in the pocket, not letting your pass get batted down in a critical situation. You know, just the, the little feel things that really good quarterbacks learn. Right, and then. You know, the other caller talks about we'll move him around a little bit. He's the most immobile quarterback I've ever seen, I think. He can't yeah. move. Yeah, it's hard to move him much. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's a perspective thing, but Stephen Morris seemed to catch a lot of crap from Hurricane fans. He single-handedly has done more in a Hurricane jersey than Brad Kaya ever has, and it seems like they're on two different planes. Stephen Morris was thought of as an afterthought, a guy who was never going to get drafted. But this is a guy who is routinely throwing for 350, 400 yards, multiple comebacks at the end of games, things of that nature. And he's just kind of an afterthought where Brad Kaya gets a lot of benefit of the doubt. And they both suffered from terrible coaching. Hey, so even I don't Kirby, get why one. Even Kirby Freeman led a victory on the road at Florida State. Right. And our best win last year was Malik Rozier. So, yeah. you know, I mean. I love the, Brad. I hope he does well. But on this, you know, and I love Brad. I just, I hope, I hope that now he's able to take the next step. That's all. Me and you both. I just people saying he's a first-round quarterback. I, I can't fathom where that's coming from. If it's only solely for the fact that he runs a pro set, then maybe that's it. But I, I don't, I don't really see it. it. Let me tell you something. There aren't that many quarterbacks in college football right now who run a pro-style offense. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to say was um, I saw it on the board today, and I, I really hadn't looked at it before about everybody talking about nine or ten wins this year. Our schedule is awful this year. And, you know, I usually, I'm one who usually gives Florida, you know, a lot of crap about their terrible scheduling, never leaving the state, you know, playing all their, you know, uh, bad teams at home out of conference. But what is up with our schedule this year? How did it well, turn into this this year? It, 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 it here's how they were supposed to play, play Central Florida in that um, in an out of conference game, um, and Central Florida backed out. So they were scrambling to find another opponent, 
and they ended up having to schedule Appalachian State, which is you know a program that's pulled upsets in the past. But when you look at the schedule and you see Appalachian State, you're not overwhelmed, obviously. So you know they're they're, they're basically short one at a conference more you know reasonably level game, um, and that's why there's the perception that the schedule's so bad. Okay, fair enough. So I mean, looking at the schedule, in my opinion, nine wins means what? Beating one ranked team? Well, that remains to be seen. You know, we don't know who's going to be ranked and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, it could be more than one ranked team. I mean, but, you know, Notre Dame's certainly going to be ranked. Florida State will be ranked. Uh, North Carolina probably be ranked. You know, we'll see where it no, goes. No, but I'm saying me. you're going to lose three games. You already you already win three from the first oh, three. You lose saying, three. You're saying, you're saying you lose those games. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You could have, you theoretically, it, it could come to that. No argument. So that, that's really all I had. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 is the number. Um, let's continue on here and go to the, the 205. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, what's up, Slaughter? How you been, man? What's up? I'm good, baby. How you doing? Doing really good, real good. Hey, man, spring ball started today. It was fun being out there and seeing some football. I bet, man. I wish I could have been out there, and, man. And, 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 and I'm going to the NCAA tournament, you know, which is another one of my favorites. So how bad can when it be? When you leave for that? I'm going to fly up there when? Thursday morning. Okay, okay. Yep. All right, a couple of things, man. I heard um, a couple of guys bad on Brian Kaya, and I'm kind of torn in between to me. I feel like he reminds me he's the Duke Johnson of our um, of our team right now. You know, Duke Johnson was the standout. He never really showed up in big-time games, but he put up a lot of numbers. But he also didn't have a lot of help. Same thing with Brad. I feel like he's a, he's a great player. He just last year, the, the offensive line was, you know, was young. I won't say hard because they was young. You should see a big difference this year with game experience. And a lot of people need to take in effect, you know, take that in effect that – there was, you know, a lot of those guys first time start. You had some freshmen starting, you know. So I think the only person with a lot of reps was Linda, right? Linda or or McDorbit, whatever his name McDermott, is. McDorbit, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And as as um as for the uh, running backs, man, running back. I played running back in college. Running back is all about repetition. A lot of people, you know, you know, I know you hard on my boy Chocolate. I like Chocolate a lot. I think he's a great back. I think he has the best potential of any back on there, on the, on the roster. <laughs> I, I don't have any problem with Chocolate, but I don't have any problem with him. But, but just, I don't understand. Like, everyone's talking about I, how great he is, and he's he's the fourth team running back. I understand and it's not because that, yeah, he's being just – Slaughter. He's not being discriminated against. I mean, it's a fair competition. He's the number four running back on the team right now. Why is everybody ready to yeah. say how great he is? Yeah, yeah. Trust me, trust me, man. Trust me. I, I, no. Trust me, yeah. The guy's special. The guy's a special talent. If he get, if he gets the opportunity, you can't now, get five players a game. I hope he gets the opportunity to this spring because if he's special, my, they need him out there. My thing is this, Gary. At running back, you can't get two or three carries a game and expect for you to go for 200 yards. He may be one of those backs that get stronger at the end of the game. Look at Derrick Henry. Not saying he's Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry don't really do much in the first half of games. 
By the third and fourth quarter, he wears things down. They're about the same. You know, Chocolate's a big boy. Same with Gus Edwards. If you look at it, man, we have a we have a great backfield, and I think that, and a lot of people don't keep fail to realize, Mark um, Mark Rick used at least three or four running backs. You know what I'm saying? Gailey yeah. wasn't the only one that was getting carries at um, at Georgia. <laughs> okay, but he wasn't. I agree, but you're gonna have four guys competing for those carries, so it, it'll I, be interesting to see. I, I listen. I hope he's great because that means the team's better. Yeah, it I mean, does. I mean, we can't take too many more of these of these seasons. Okay, we we need we need to see this team get better, and you know whatever it takes for that to happen is all that matters. And and if that means chocolate becomes the number one running back, I'm phenomenal. not saying he's gonna be the number one. I'm not saying he should be number one. I think he should just get more carries so so you can dis so you can display his talent. I don't think okay, he but there's enough, only so many um, carries players. that can go around. If you if you have if you have a if you have Mark Walton and Yearby as your top two guys last year, let's say they each get thirteen carries. Now you're gonna put Gus Edwards into the equation. You know, let's say he gets thirteen carries. Well you're not gonna get you, you don't have more than you know, thirty nine carries to go around in a football game. I'm not saying four backs get touches. I'm saying you can at least have a three back rotation that get touches. Situational yeah. backs. You but he's got to crack that top three, is what I'm saying. Who are you going to put on the bench? I mean, that's what I mean. You know, that's the thing, Gary. That's the thing. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to put nobody in the, on the bench. You go with the high hand. You give okay, each but, back. But a you got four guys, Slaughter. Some uh, only one guy can start the game. I understand that, Gary. You can start. You can start the game, but you can have different packages. With each guy get a touch, and hey, this guy got the high hand. He's rolling Four with the ball. Four different packages you want? Come on. No, Come on. no, Gary. I'm saying at least two or three guys. Two or three guys that get that's going to get repetitions in the game. Of course, you're going to compete and practice to see who's get those reps in the game. Maybe this week, Walton didn't do as good as practice. He wasn't practicing hard. Okay, Chuck, this is your week. You're going to be in the rotation. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you got a backfield like that, man, you got to use it. Because if you think about it, we got three, we got, we got, we got three, four, three, four stars in a, in a, in a, in a three star, in a, in a, in a high end three star with chocolate. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Because Yibber was the number. I mean, I mean, because um, because Gus was the number one fullback in the nation. It It'll be interesting to, to see how it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, but right. one more question, man. How, I'm sorry, what you were saying? I, I think all four of those kids are capable. In all honesty. You know, I, I just think it's saying. hard to take the guy that's running number four and say he's great. That's all. When but, when numbers well, one, when number this. one through three aren't great. <laughs> okay, but I mean, this question, Gary. I mean, to be honest, this question, do, they really Gary. Have, do they have a great running back on this team? Ask no. this question, Gary. What back? What what string was Willis McGahee at, at Miami? He was he was third at one point. He was third or fourth, right? What happened? Yeah. He eventually rose up to number one and became a great back. Somebody got hurt, right? I don't think you got those same level type of guys know? right now. Did nobody know about Willis McGahee? Did nobody even think about Willis McGahee when he was on the roster? People didn't know about him until he got his chance. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. That's all I'm saying, Gary. You know what I'm saying? But how is the Michael Jackson kid um, doing? Because, you know, he's from my city. He, you know, he, he doesn't have an – I don't think he has enough speed. I don't he's know not that, that he's, fast? Yeah, No. I don't know if he's ever going to really, you know, they're, they're going to need him to do something here just because of numbers, but mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, I don't know if he's really going to make it, to be honest with you. We'll see. 
What do you think? You think it should move? What about a move to safety? I don't know that he's that kind of player. You know, I don't know that he's he's physical like you know like he needs to a be big a safety. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe that becomes something that they try. And you know, I, and one of the things I seen today, and I was like, I was really happy for the kid, the red wine kid. I was really happy that he, you know, he, he's, you know, he was, you know, was number one this, you know, with one with the ones because I think that kid had he has a good story because a lot of people weren't really on him, right? What, what school he was supposed to go to before Miami offered him? Uh, I think he was going to go to Louisville, and then they stole him at the last minute. That's a, and that's the type, and that's one of the good things I will say that they did with well, keeping a guy like that at home because he he looks good. He he looks yeah, I, like an SEC yeah, call. He's, he's a good good prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I have much, man. I just want to, you know, just want to talk about the backs a little bit, man. I haven't called in in a couple of weeks. I've been doing my training, man. But I may be in Tampa, Gary. So I may be moving to Tampa. Oh, so we may you. have to um, link up some, you know. I'll put, be you, down in Miami. put you cl- put you a little closer to South Florida so you can get down here for some more games. If I get down, I'm buying season tickets. I'm buying season tickets if I get if I get close to that way, man. But I'm gonna let a couple more guys get on, man. And you know it was good talking to you. Have a safe trip tomorrow. I mean not tomorrow, but um, but Thursday. And you know hope we pull out in the basketball thing as well. And you know as always, love Gary. And um, shout it. out to my boy Kane Kane, man. I ain't talked to you in a while, man. Hit me up when you get a chance. Ah ah ah! I'm out, Gary. Keep All right, man. Thanks. You got it. Thanks, as always, for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048. we got about 20 minutes left. Enough time to get on. If you want to come on, hit the number one on your keypad. Let's go now to the 775. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah. Hi, Gary. Uh, can you hear me all right? I can. Who's this? Okay, it's George from uh, Reno. Uh, hey, what's up, George? Uh, I want to talk about – thank you. I want to talk about two things. One, uh, a little bit about quarterback, Kaya. And number two, uh, special teams. Uh, let's just a little discussion about Kaya first. I played uh, four years in high school and four years in college, you know, in small college, but I still was a starting quarterback. And, um, you know, one year I was undefeated, and the other year I was, uh, we went four and seven. And so, you know, the difference was I was the same quarterback, basically, but the difference was in the coaching. You know, uh, we, we changed coaches. Um, you have to have... If you're going to play well, uh, you have to have really a good communication with your with your coach, which with the staff, especially whoever is calling the plays. And uh, I think that um, uh, Kaya suffered from really a, a lack of good play calling and also sending in plays uh, or discussing them or changing at halftime. I think it, that a lot of that uh, has a, has a lot to do with it. The other thing I agree with you, he should never have played his uh, freshman year. Uh, that was a big mistake. You know, they went into that uh, game against Louisville uh, without any idea who the hell they were going to use between the two. That was absolutely stupid. They should have played that uh, transfer and, and redshirted him because he had some innate problems coming in. I watched him in high school, and he had happy feet. You know, he got nervous and key times and big games, and he, his feet get a little happy. He's corrected that, but he he lost everything that first year because you know when you when you're a freshman, you're playing at that level, you know you're pretty numb, you know, and 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 he and that was a big mistake. That's number one. Number two, he's corrected his happy feet problem. I noticed it the last year, but he was also hurt by 
not being able to play behind the center. You know, they put him in a shotgun, and uh, that, and that, you know, if they, if they wanted to play the pro offense, they should have had him behind center. Under center, he can he he'll develop his uh, he'll develop his skills better. Number one, number two, uh, pro action uh, play action passing is a hell of a lot better. You know- you know, and, you might uh, be onto yeah. something there because the one thing I noticed at practice today was Mark Rip, Mark Rick kept telling him under center, under center, like they, he kept wanting him to to take his reps as if he was under center. Uh, so th- that means that he's noticed that he was predominantly in the shotgun. I know that the reason they had him predominantly in the shotgun was that they felt um, that they needed to protect him because of the offensive line play, um, but. I think you'll see him under center much more with Mark Richt. Absolutely. When you when you're playing under center, I did and I did both. But under center, your you, you, your your feet are really important, and you work on that. But if you, if you, he played almost the whole game, uh, uh, the whole time last year, you know, on the shotgun, and you get lazy feet there. You, you know, you lose a lot of different things. And I I think they the coaching was piss poor. And I think relying on him changing a play without sending in some good plays, his confidence level had to be at a low. Uh, and I, and, I, and I, I sympathize with him. On the other hand, I think you'll see a different guy this year because I think he'll, he's going to have a, a professional for the first time. He's never worked with one in college yet. I think he'll do a lot better. The second thing I want to talk about is special teams. When we were really knocking them dead, as you remember, you know, in your good old days of dominance, a decade of dominance, uh, we played – all that. we played the starters on special teams. It was it was uh, it was like uh, playing on special teams. You had to be like a special guy. And I think uh, dumbass uh, Golden. Uh, by uh, I understand he was worried about not having getting players hurt. But what the what, what, you, people get hurt? You you get hurt. And you can get hurt just walking for Christ's sake on 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 the field. And, you know. So uh, I don't think there's any greater degree of people getting hurt on kickoff returns or punt returns than in any other play. And I think not playing special teams diminishes the value of it. And and why even use the word special if you're going to be a freaking freshman who who isn't good enough to play to start a game, but you're good enough to play on special teams? That's out of bullshit. You you play to start it. You play the best people on special teams, on defense, you know, and and our coaching was so putrid last year. I'm I'm surprised uh, uh, you know that uh, some of our better players didn't uh, didn't go down. I think some of them did. So I don't know what's your thought on special teams. Am I uh, uh, whistling Dixie or do you? I no, I, I, they have to be better than they've been. I mean, they, they've been abysmal. And uh, why play why play people in the special teams that aren't special players? I mean, it's totally make agree. Sense, you know, totally agree. And, and if you have to use starters on special teams, then you got then you have to use starters on of special course. teams. Do you remember? You, you remember that game you against? Uh, yeah, remember that game cool. against Florida State at at at, at FSU when Ned Reed was playing special teams. He made a big play and it kind of turned the second half around. I mean, Ed Reed, for Christ's sake, he was a fifth year senior and he was on the field. He could have left. And uh, and 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 you know that's the type of coaching. You know when you make. When you, I think I think uh, uh, you know we should have had uh, uh, you know players uh, on uh, uh, running kick uh, kick uh, kickoff returns and punt returns. Uh, you know our top running back didn't didn't play. You know because we're worried about getting them hurt. Big freaking deal. 
I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I, I think that's a poor reason for not playing your best players. Yep, no that's argument. It. All right, George. Okay. Thank Thanks you. for being right. part of the yeah. show, man. Give us a call more often. Great call. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's go now to, uh, remember, by the way, hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go now to the to the 302. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, guys? Butter P. What's up, Butter? How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm trying to get on for actually since uh, the recruiting cycle, but uh, I guess this is perfect timing. No, I, I listen to the show all the time, and, you know, like everyone else, I've watched games. I've been a fan all my life, and uh, i got to defend Brad Kai a little bit myself, you know. Uh, I know everybody's not turning him down. I know everybody needs a signature win, but before I get into him needing a signature win, you know, I, I heard you talk about, you know, if he want to put him in the Cozar, the Testaverde, and uh, Dorsey, then you said Erickson and Walsh. Now, uh, one caller about three or four callers ago, he was uh, he defended Brad avidly. And when you said that, I thought about it. Now, don't forget, Kozar, Testaverde, Erickson, those guys, and Dorsey, they played on some of the best Hurricane teams ever. Excellent the point. You understand? They had some of the greatest players in Kane's history, especially defensively. And we're not going to we're not going to necessarily blame everything on you know, I mean, uh, on the whole team. But I know like defensively, like what Dalvin Cook was doing was ridiculous. Man, defense couldn't stop anybody the past couple years. Everybody complained about the defense. De- defense didn't put us in a lot of in, in a lot of great positions. But I will admit, the past two or three years, even if we go back to the game. Uh, about maybe three years ago when uh, Stacey Coley dropped that bomb out of halftime and we ended up getting blown out that year when, uh, when uh, Jameis Winston was a quarterback. But we played pretty good in the first half. When they said it was smoke and mirrors when we were like number seven. We played pretty good. We always play Florida State tough because it's the rivalry game. But some of those other games, defense did not help us out. Granted, Brad Kaya put up great numbers. Great numbers, but a lot of times all receivers and running backs failed us too. And you just made a point to the last caller, we had to put him in shotgun to try to protect him. Whether the line was good or not, whether they were young, Brad Kaya did not have a lot of, not say a lot of time, but he ended up looking comfortable all the time back there. Like you said, all running backs weren't blocking a lot of people, and he's getting, you know, he's getting chased around. Now, could he make some better throws? Probably. But making those lanes, how about our coach putting them in a better place? How about maybe roll the pocket? If you roll the pocket, he can get out enough to get himself in position to throw the ball. You understand what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I believe with Coach Rick, I believe he makes a difference. Like you said, putting them under center, make him work on his footwork more. You understand what I'm saying? I believe with Coach Rick being a QB guru, like he said he had, you know, Charlie Ward and all those guys back in the day. He knows what he's doing with quarterbacks. And a couple, like two nights ago, I watched the Colorado game from 93. There was a young Ray Lewis. They had Warren Sapp. Even some of the guys people won't remember, that defense still was pretty tough. You understand what I'm saying? So let's give Brad a little more credit, man. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll find out more this year. You know, he'll he'll get some different coaching, new ideas. Um, Mark Rick's a very good quarterbacks coach, so we'll find out this year if he could take that next step, no doubt about it. 
All right, you got anything else tonight? Yeah, on running backs after this. Now, you know, I know, you know, Chocolate is the fourth running back. But from what I've been hearing, out of all the running backs from what I was hearing, he has the most physical ability. That's what I hear a lot of people say. Now, if this guy has the most physical ability, he should have been red-shirted probably. You understand what I'm saying? But if he, has the most physical, if he has the most physical ability, let's give him an opportunity. I know you got to earn it, but if the guy has breakaway speed and things like that, give him a couple touches. You never know. I remember Storm Johnson. We, the game we lost against USF, Storm Johnson got in one play, 70, 77 to 80 yards. Sometimes you can't hold the talent back. Give him a chance. Let him go. Let him make a play if he can. If he is physically the most gifted back we had, give him an opportunity. All right, I know it's getting late. I'll let everybody else get on. Thanks for having me. Keep me on hold. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, um, I'll get back to the calls in a minute. Just want to finish popping through some, a few of these topics that were submitted for the show uh, by the uh, posters on canesport.com. Uh, what will the role of the fullback be in Mark Rick's offense? Uh, I'm not sure there's going to be a role for the fullback this year. I know Mark Rick likes to use the fullback at times. I just don't know who's going to play that role, and that that will be something that we'll have to watch as, as spring develops, if they can find somebody that can be a fullback um, when uh, Mark Rick wants to wants to use it. Um, question about Mark D'Onofrio's employment status. He is presently still unemployed, continuing to look for a job. Um, did the team look like it had a shot of life at practice? I answered that one kind of earlier. Uh, not really today. Today was more of um, – it, it was almost like a classroom, to, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, there, there, there was some you know exuberance in, in drills and stuff like that. But today's practice, you know, was mostly uh, about teaching. Um, are all the battles, are all the positions open for battle, or just some of them? I would have to think they all are. Even though obviously, you know, Stacy Coley is probably going to start at receiver. Uh, you know, I think you can, you know, pretty much assume Brad Kaya is going to start at quarterback. Um, but I think with a new staff coming in, obviously, you have a ton of position competition. Um, so that's the best way I think we can answer that one. Um, and then, uh, lastly, um, Miami basketball going to the NCAA tournament starting Thursday in Providence is now a top 10, top 15 team. Um, do they have an alpha dog that can take them to the next level here over the next couple weeks? Um, somebody that can carry them through the tournament. And the best way I can answer that is to say, yeah. They do have an alpha dog that can do that. The question is, is he going to decide to be an alpha dog? And the guy I'm talking about right now is Sheldon McClellan, who to me has NBA skills without question. And he just doesn't do it consistently enough or doesn't take the onus on himself to be that alpha dog on this team. And um, I'll give you an example. At the ACC tournament, I'm up there uh, last weekend watching Miami play Virginia. And I saw a couple sequences there where Sheldon McClellan um, was playing defense and was just unbelievable. I mean, you're watching him and you're saying, my God. But here's the thing. You're seeing what he's capable of, but you're not seeing it over a constant basis during the course of a game. You're seeing it in flashes. And this is a fifth-year senior we're talking about, okay? So if he hasn't done it yet, what are the chances 
that he's going to do it this weekend or next weekend in the in the NCAA tournament um, and become that alpha dog that I would totally agree so many teams need in March Madness to get to that Elite Eight level. And uh, I think Miami's going to need Sheldon McClellan at some point here to step up and be that alpha dog. And if he doesn't do it, then I don't think they're going to win. And, you know, obviously no great revelation. All but one team is going to lose in the NCAA tournament. But Miami cannot get past that Sweet 16 round without Sheldon McClellan, in my opinion, stepping up and being the alpha dog. So that'll be one to continue to watch. All right, we're going to go now. Last call of the night, going to be in the 251. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? All right, Gary, what's up? iPhone Kane, Mobile. What's up, man? How you doing? All right, quick question, man. Uh, how sad were you today when, when you got to the practice and didn't hear all the hip-hop music blasting in the background? I wasn't sad at all. I, I, I thought that was ridiculous, seriously. What did, the, I mean, what did the NFL scouts think of that when they come there and hear that? They laughed at it. They laughed at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because, you know, I, I figure I'm pretty sure at Alabama and Auburn you wouldn't hear nothing like that. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, and one more thing, like with the special teams – you think Cornell's going to really get a shot this year? As a, uh, I, hope, I hope not, because to me, he is critically needed at cornerback, and the last thing you need is him getting hurt returning kicks. I, yeah, I, think I saw Miami, somebody ask. Miami's got to find somebody else that can return kicks, whether it's Sam Bruce um, or, or, or one of the other skill guys, Braxton Berrios. Uh, somebody else has to be able to return kicks um, other than Cornelder. Yeah, because I saw somebody ask um, Rick that, and I think he, he made reference to, like, Gurley. Like, hey, I had Gurley returning punch and kick off. Oh, I'm not saying they and, won't you know. do it. I'm just saying that they don't have any yeah, quarterback. They don't. <laughs> I mean, if Cornelder goes down, they're in big trouble. Yeah. So, um, I missed the show earlier. So, what is your final thoughts on J.C. Jackson? You don't think he's going no, I don't think ever, they, they were seriously recruiting him. I, I think that was that, those were false reports by other outlets. The, there was no accuracy to that. He, they made a phone call. All the only evidence we had on that front was that there was a single phone call made, it, it, just seeing what was up. And, that, and I don't think Miami was serious about taking him. Why would you take a guy that was arrested in Gainesville and kicked off the Gator team? You know, I mean, it does, it doesn't make sense. Not at this point. With Mark Rick coming yeah, in. We already got one on there like that. <laughs> Kicked yep. out the Gator team. Yep. I guess one's yep. enough. Yep. yep. Well, Gerald Miller, right, man, now, like but, you know, he had some problems up there and stuff, but, he, but he, I don't think he was arrested. Yeah, I don't think you so know, either. For a pretty serious, you know, deal. So. One more thing, man. I, I was I was looking at I saw somebody that made like a Brad Kaya highlight film, and it kind of hit me. I said, like, I really think this year here, it's going to, it, it can really be easy for Kyrie because if you really think about it, besides, yeah, he hadn't won a big game, but, like, he, he's winning against some big-time DBs and the Rams, and he's won some battles against them. And so, like, this year, I, I don't really think it's that many. You know, you had Ramsey and the Fullers, and he's battled with them. He didn't do good against Alexander. But, like, I think, like, this year, he, he's going to be alpha male to the point where it might be easy to him as far as, like, the competition because, like, all those guys are gone. At least in the ACC, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. But um, that's all, man. Enjoy the show. All right, man. Thanks, um, thanks for being part of it. And I know you said you missed it. We'll have the podcast up in a few minutes. So, 
Yeah. Uh, if you All if right. you want to go back and listen to the beginning of it, you'll be able to do that. Thanks, uh, thanks as always for being part of it. All right, guys, great show tonight. A lot of exciting things going on. You got spring practice now underway. March Madness. Get into the Hurricane basketball team because uh, I, I think it's going to be fun just watching and seeing what they're able to get done here in the NCAA tournament. A team that's got the potential to go to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight and then take their shot, but they can't have the lapses in games that they've had over the last week or two that cost them the ACC regular season championship or at least a share of it and cost them the chance to beat Virginia up there in Washington, D.C. and maybe become a two-seed in the tournament. So they go as a three-seed, they'll take their best shot, and it, it should be fun to follow that team. I, uh, they are a, a great team to watch. And uh, if you haven't been into Hurricane basketball to this point, I encourage everybody listening tonight to get into it. All right. Um, thank you to everybody who participated. And uh, we'll be back Tuesday night to talk more spring football and hopefully more NCAA tournament. Good night, everybody. <laughs>